Welcome, friends and colleagues. First of all, I'd like to apologize for being a bit tardy and allowing two weeks to pass uh, before the last and this podcast. Uh, there are valid reasons for that. I was trying to arrange an interview and other things, but more primarily it was because I wanted to start tackling the two trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. And these topics are so complex, so multifaceted, and on them depends so much about what the Bible has to say about us being human, what being human is all about, the relation between God and man, what does it mean to sin or to be punished or to be redeemed, and what our charges in this world, that it was just very difficult to deal with this mass of material and try to organize and present it. And I was struggling with it uh, week after week until it occurred to me that it's better to make a small step into it than continue to struggle. So what today will be is kind of an introduction. Another point is that our method in this podcast is what it tells, not what it says. So we are not approaching uh, the, the narratives and the writing that we're trying to interpret as what is it is what it is, but we're approaching as what is it trying to tell us. So that obviously is very much connected <clears throat> to all these questions I just mentioned. Uh, that is why there are so many interpretations and so many uh, attempts to explain it and so many theologies uh, that come out of this uh, few sentences, really. So I think that one way to do it is to start a little bit with drawing the boundaries of where does the story start and where does it end? Now, that's an important question. I recently heard a, a lecture by Alex Israel of Alon Shvut in Israel, and he compared the story of Exodus, the entire book of Exodus, and the Ten Commandments, the famous movie Ten Commandments, and how the story is changed by putting the beginning and the end in different places. So, the Ten Commandments is, Commandments is clearly a story of liberation. It starts with Moses and it ends with splitting of the Red Sea and victorious going out of Egypt. But that's in fact not what the book of Exodus is about. The book of Exodus, yes, puts the beginning with Moses, but it ends it with the tabernacle. Now, what? So, so then where is the center? The center becomes the revelation at Sinai, and then tabernacle is a representation of continuation of this revelation, an attempt to conserve, commemorate, and internalize the process of revelation. See, by cutting off the second half of the story, the movie Ten Commandments made the story about something completely different. So this might offer us a way of uh, understanding what the story of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil really is. If we look at it, the story begins with... God planting planting a garden in Eden, 
2.8 and he put a man there and then again there is there is talk of of uh, uh, gr growing things from the ground God caused to grow every tree it was pleasant to the sight good to eat and the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil now, a very curious question would be is that the same tree and what is in the middle what is in the middle so he says that um, he created all kind of beautiful trees and good to eat and the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil so uh, there are some commentators some recent uh, non-Jewish commentators that suggested that this is really the same tree. There's only one tree. Um, if anyone had seen the pendants of the tree of life, you may notice, and I don't know where that comes from, but half of the pendant is made uh, of silver or platinum, and half is made of gold. So it looks like a two intertwined trees. So that may be the same idea wherever that comes from, that really it's the tree of life and parenthesis also the tree of knowledge of good and evil otherwise it should have said that they're both in the middle of the garden or it should have said there's a tree of life and the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil evil in the middle of the garden instead instead it's tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil uh, Philon uh, actually noticed that this is what he says in his commentary on Genesis Philoudes he says Moses expressly stated the tree of life is placed within the garden but as to the other tree the tree of knowledge of good and evil he does not specify whether it is inside or outside the garden now some Jewish interpreters have thought that it's the same. The, the Ramban, Nachmanides, writes that there was a patch and part of the patch was a tree of good and evil and next to it was a tree of knowledge. Um, it's, 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 as we see, um, there really is room to say that it was the same tree. Uh, because The, uh, in the commandment, in the second mention of this tree, 2.17, uh, God says, eat from every tree of the garden, but from the tree of knowing good and evil, you should not eat from it. For on the day that you eat from it, you shall certainly die. So here the prohibition is about eating uh, the tree of knowing good and evil. But when the serpent talks to the woman in three in in chapter three verse three, from the tree from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said not to eat. No mention of what tree that is. So that would be kind of an indication that it may have been the same tree. <coughs> um, 
Philiudes continues. So he just said that only the tree of knowledge seems to be uh, inside in the gun, in in the garden, but not the tree of life. Why is that? Rather, he states, and of the tree of the knowledge, meaning God states, of good and evil says no more, revealing not where it is located. So we're told that the tree of life is in the middle of the garden, but tree of knowledge, we're not told where it is. Why is that? What then must we say, he continues, that the tree is both within the garden and also outside of it. In terms of its existence, it's within, but to its power, it's out of it. Very interesting uh, comment, which I don't think we have the time to unpack. Now, After the sin, of course, God seems to be concerned about the tree of life. seems to be concerned that the man will eat of tree of life and live forever. The question then is, <clears throat> why he didn't prohibit the tree of life to begin with? So again, an answer could be the tree of life and the tree of knowledge are the same tree. The 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 Dazakenim Balitosfus commentary says uh, a different answer that there is no reason to prohibit something would be ineffective until man ate from the tree of knowledge he would not die therefore there was no reason to prohibit the tree of life but I think when we come back to the organization of all this we should also notice that the tree of life is uh, kind of opens the narrative, right? There's, not, there's a tree of life uh, that's put in the garden. And life is in the middle of the narrative. God says, don't eat of the tree of life. He may take from the tree of life, I'm sorry, he will take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And it ends with the woman being called the mother of all life. So these three terms seem to define the beginning of the story, the middle of the story, and the end of the story. So very good with that. If we think about this in terms of being really all about life, then there are several thoughts that come up. One, there is a relationship between sin and death or rather sin, being sinless and not dying. So knowledge, in some way, leads to sin, and sin leads to death. What, what is this sin? Uh, now, it's interesting that nowhere in the story does it say anything about the sin. So one school of thought... It's the early church fathers in the Catholic Church say that sin is the whole point of the story. And uh, the sin is carnal knowledge. For those who like to speak plain English, it's the sexual impulse. There is some support to that from the fact that after they ate from the tree of knowledge, Adam and Eve recognized that they are naked. So they made clothing. 
uh, among Jewish uh, interpreters, uh, the Ibn Ezra and the Radak take a similar approach. So Ibn Ezra writes like this. This is to Genesis 3, 6 and 7. I believe that the two trees within the garden cannot be found anywhere else on earth. So this touches on what Phil already touched. Are these real trees or is this something that's a concept or is it something that's found in heaven? One, the tree of knowledge awakens sexual lust and this is why man and his wife covered their nakedness. When Adam ate from the tree of knowledge, he knew his wife. This means carnal knowledge, and that is why the tree of knowledge was called so. When a boy too knows about good and evil, that is when his sexual lust begins. Referring to a verse in Isaiah 7. The Radak, as I said, says something else. So that is one way to approach this. We're talking about sexual impulse. But on, on religious grounds, you know, you must ask, is sexual impulse central to being a human or to being a tempted human? So there's plenty of other temptations that we undergo. Now, it may be true that for some people that is the central temptation of their life. And we do see uh, nations like Moabites, we see dynasties, perhaps the Davidic dynasty early on uh, that struggle with this impulse. See my book on Ruth. Uh, but for many people it's not that much of a uh, temptation. There are people, you know, now psychologists recognize that there are asexual people. Would you say that these people are basically not in the story of Adam and Eve? And uh, kind of a normative Jewish interpretation also is that it's the act of disobedience to the guy's, God's command that uh, is responsible for what went wrong here, not particular sexual impulse. We will, uh, since this is an introduction, we will get back to this whole point and also talk about what actually changed. What changed through this act of disobedience? Okay, a sexual recognition changed. Uh, that required a whole new set of social constructions. Clothing. Rashi makes a comment to uh, the man and his wife making cloaks for themselves. Because It says before eating from the tree, they did not recognize the way of tzniyus, the way of modesty, to distinguish between good and evil. So he seems to also hold that is the sexual impulse. And the way to manage sexual impulse is now to create some distancing mechanisms, such as clothing, and uh, I presume other social mechanisms as well. There are many societies, not our society, that regulates to a great degree uh, male-female interactions. And the concept there is that all we're doing is fixing the power of desire that uh, men and women who are not fully dressed attract each other and emotion and desire takes over by imposing clothing and uh, other social regulation, regulatory mechanisms.
we allow them to interact with their minds. Then men see women as worthwhile human beings, not just bodies, and so also do women see men. <coughs> and that is the purpose of a clothing which stands uh, for many social regulations. Then there are two other Jewish approaches. One of them is presented by Maimonides in the first chapters of the Guide of the Perplexed, his philosophical work. And basically he says something similar, but he says that men are only free when they're not subject to their, their desires. That before they ate of the tree, the temptation, we'll talk about the term evil inclination, later, but uh, the temptation was kind of rational. Uh, as an aside, and I don't want to get into this topic too much, the fallen angels, it's not that they couldn't be tempted, because if they couldn't be tempted, they couldn't have fallen, but they were tempted in a very rational way. Uh, they weighed things, and they made a decision, which was an incorrect decision, logically, but it was a mistaken judgment. There was no desire. There was nothing from inside that would push men and women prior to eating of the tree. When they ate, the evil impulse in entered within them. So that would be one way to understand it. Uh, the goal then, according to the Maimonides, is to subject the emotional uh, parts of a human being to a complete rule by the intellect. And that would be the return back to the state before the fall. Nachmanides has a somewhat different explanation. It is easy to mistake it for the first one we discussed about the desire, but it's not that at all. Uh, I don't think it's that. I've seen it described as that, interpreted as that. Uh, I saw on Chabad.org a discussion that really takes it that way which to me is surprising because some of the terms that Manis uses should be familiar to Lubavitch. For example, he uses the word rotzen, rotzen will. It will then enter them after the sin. What I think rather is that he understands this as a continuation, part of the story of animals. If you read and we spoke about the rebellion of animals, and the serpent was the shrewdest of the chayot hasadeh, beasts of the field, and whatever does that have to do with anything? But it was it was a process of differentiating from animals. Uh, men brought animals to Adam to name, uh, and he did not find a mate amongst them. Uh, they were to be subjugated to him as junior members of the family, except the beasts of the field. The beasts of the field rebelled. And we had a whole talk on it. And uh, one of the greatest ones, the serpent, then uh, brought the man down. So that's, uh, that's the background to this story. What, what is different between men and animals in, in the moral sphere, in the sphere of good and evil? Now one thing to 
respond would be that animals work completely by instinct. So whatever they do is not a choice between any kind of, of moral standards. The difficulty to me with this uh, understanding is that even in ancient time, Porfirio wrote a book about whether animals can uh, have intelligence and, and can make moral choices. Uh, he, I think uh, he lived in the 3rd century. Uh, but certainly now, uh, we, we're beginning to understand that animals do make some kinds of moral choices. And is concur con concordant with the sages who talk about the evil inclination having entered an animal, a particularly destructive animal that just destroys things for no reason, they would consider being seized by evil inclination. So I think the, that Na what Nachmanides is saying is that animals are not interested in the moral universe. Uh, perhaps to draw an analogy, there is something called psychopath, psychopathy. There is a few percent of human beings who don't seem to relate to the moral sphere at all. They might actually be very good in picking up other people's uh, morality, but it doesn't touch them. They're not interested. They don't live in that world. Of course, they're capable of horrible things because of that. So animals simply don't have a rotten, they don't have a desire to live in the moral universe. They live in a different universe. That doesn't mean they cannot make choices, and it doesn't mean that to some degree they can choose good and evil, but it's not what they're interested in. Just like they're not interested in building skyscrapers, writing music, or creating works of art. Does not necessarily mean they're not capable of that, but they're not interested in that. So I think this is Nachmanides' approach. Uh, it is a fresh and different approach than what I've usually seen, so I'm ready to hear any objections and to be corrected. So let's pull back a bit and try to, to summarize. As, a, as a, an introduction, we talked about the importance of uh, the story of the two trees. We talked about whether the two trees were actually one tree or where is the tree of life connect, uh, uh, located. We spoke about the organization of the story marked by three mentions of life, tree of life being planted, not to eat from the tree of life, and Eve becoming the mother of all life. Uh, we spoke about three major approaches to the story, if you think that the story is about some kind of a fall. And that would be eating from the tree created sexual desire, eating from the tree internalized the evil inclination, so we no longer make our moral decisions made uh, solely uh, based on logic and reason. That doesn't mean that we, even people who make it solely on logic and reason may not make mistaken judgment but they don't make it based on emotion, and we do. And three, uh, the eating of the tree of knowledge made us to start living 
in the universe of morality and the right and wrong and the good and bad. Now, to end, I just want to mention that personally I would vote for the trees being separate. And the reason I say that is because, as we had seen, everything in Genesis comes in pairs. We've already talked about it several times. There is heaven and earth. There is water below the firmament and the water above the firmament. And each, every day, there were two different things created. There is man and woman. So, of course, there should also be two trees. It does... Uh, raise the question of that perhaps good and evil, knowledge of good and evil and life are two opposite things. <coughs> I'll just leave that for future development. And of course, other ways of uh, looking at it, which is the way I prefer and been advocating for here, is that uh, the story of Genesis is a story of the uneasy coexistence and synthesis of two extremes in each case. Uh, and then the breakdown, and then the creation of a solution, and then further breakdown. So we have multiple breakdowns of which eating of the tree of good and evil is only one. Each leads to separation, in this case separation of men and women, and then it had to be reconstructed, in this case through creation of family. The story of Cain and Abel is the failure of the family, and then there's the creation of community. The Tower of Babel was the failure of the community, and then the creation of nations in chapter 11 of Genesis. Then the, they also failed, and Abraham, the creation of a lamplighter nation, the nation that will carry the knowledge of God's law and teachings uh, as an educator among the nations. So I prefer this reading of the book. But right now we're working on a very small part of the complete story, uh, but a very important part. Again, as we human beings understand ourselves to a great degree comes from this story. And I hope to be able to spend a few more podcasts on considering various aspects. And, oh, this story is so packed with meaning. Thank you for listening, and may you have only blessings.